Hello and welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. And today I am here with Molly Rudberg. She is an executive leadership coach to CEOs, organizational teams, and emerging leaders throughout the U.S. She has so many skills in this area and the education to back it up, both from Northwestern University and through accomplishment coaching. She marries both of these passions in delivering her unique work to individuals and groups of people. I know her personally from the community, and I know that Molly is this and so much more. We sit down for a really vulnerable, open, and imperfect conversation today where we trusted whatever was meant to come forth. So enjoy this interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do, and I'll see you in the episode. As always, thank you for being here. Hey there, welcome to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women that I've met along my journey and continue to meet. Through amazing interviews, I seek to ask insightful questions to uncover ways in which you, the listener, can apply the wisdom and knowledge to your own life. I believe that we're all in this together, so sharing healing and joy and bringing community together is both my passion and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about the Mystical Sisterhood community I'm building, please visit www.mysticalsisterhood.com. See you in the episode. Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. I'm here today, Maureen, with Molly Rodberg. And Molly, I consider to be a friend of mine from the area for quite some time now. And I am going to say that I don't even know where our first meeting was, Molly. But I think that you um, have a very, uh, I'm going to use the word disarming personality. And that when you come in contact with people, it's just like this warm embrace. And I think that's where, you know, I felt so comfortable with you from the beginning of our friendship and the years and the laughs that we've had along the way. And this is this is uh, one of my favorite kind of partnerships is that you don't have to see someone very often. But when you do, it's a kinship and it's a kindred spirit. And you're like. Hey, may have been a few years, but how are you? And just kind of sinking into each other's worlds. The best kind of friendship, I have to say. Yeah. The best. Yeah. So thanks for always being that for me. Um, I always set an intention before we go on screen. And I was saying to Molly today that um, a a reason I wanted to have her on the podcast, she is, um, you know, well, widely educated through the University of Iowa, through your master's degree at Northwestern, and I think it was managerial communication. Mm-hmm. And then and then you had this brilliance to go on and study coaching to tie it all together. So professionally, you've always been someone um, for me that's just been like, oh, I'm, I want to follow what you're doing. And you bring that. I think I have a feeling the way you are in person with your uh, friendships is kind of the way you do your business. And it's the sense I get from you. But I just want to give that for, um, I've always found a realness about you and approachability. Um, And so today's conversation, we can talk about what you do, 
but I have always seen you as someone who lives a life uh, filled with intention and a lot of laughter and spirit. And so it's an inspiration to me. And I don't know if there's a place in that that you want to begin or, you know, a, a why that got you into the work that you got into or just anything that makes yeah. sense to begin with. Well, I love that. I um, thank you. And I know this is like the cl- cliche thing to do always on pod- podcast, right? But it's, I'm so grateful to be here. And I was secretly waiting for you to ask just for me to spend time with you on something like this, because I just wanted to play and have fun with you and just yeah. laugh yeah. and reminisce. So thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, the, I love your question about where did this begin? And I was thinking about this a lot before we um, jumped on, on this call. Um, Cause really it did start when I was in third grade and my parents and, and clients ask me this question all the time, you know, how did you get into this work? Um, and I say, you know, I, I really think that I started thinking about this work when I was in third grade because my parents were going through a really hard divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids were even given an attorney because there was a custody battle. I have an older sister, a younger brother who I'm close to, and it was just a really hard time. And for an eight-year-old little girl in third grade, mm-hmm. um, I remember that the expectation was that I was supposed to learn the United States of America, as every kid, I think, does in third grade. And because of everything that was going on at home, when I took the state's test, I got one state right, and it was Florida. Wow. And the only reason I knew Florida was because my grandparents lived there. We had gone to visit, and I just thought it was the neatest place. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, And of course, you know, what came with that was enormous shame. And thankfully, my mother was able to get the teacher to give me the test a week later. Um, I was the only person that needed to take the test a week later. And my mom spent that entire week with me every day, practicing the States, practicing the States, practicing the States. (laughs) And I took it the next week and I got every single state correct except for Idaho. So of course I'll (laughs) never forget that, but it was such a turnaround. And one, you know, one therapist said to me, wow, how brilliant, what a brilliant act to have that experience with your state's test in order to get your mother to spend that time with you. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, all of that is to say, I went on the rest of the year and, and what I noticed in third grade was the teacher kept teaching, the students kept doing their thing. But no one was having a conversation with me about what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could not learn. Wow. I could not pay yeah. attention because I was so distracted by what was occurring in my outside world. Mm-hmm. And in my little eight, you know, eight year old brain, somewhere deep in there, it occurred to me gosh, why is no one having this conversation with me? Why is no one asking me? why I can't learn, why I'm not thriving. Not one person. And you had that emotional intelligence really to know that this is equal parts of me 
uh, alongside with this uh, intellectual side, you have this emotional side, not to mention the spiritual side, right? It's this multidimensional, but you're really feeling it as a young child. Like they're missing a big part of me. Yes. And I, I mean, I can feel it right now. I want to, yeah, there are tears in my eyes because I, I also look around at children who don't feel safe walking to school, don't have safe homes, um, don't feel safe in their schools. And we expect them to learn and we expect them to thrive. Um, anyway, that's a whole other path I can go down, but, um, that's really where I, I think back on that time and say, you know what? I want to have those conversations with people. I want to have, I want to look at the stuff that other people don't want to talk about. Yes. And, um, Oh, I, I love that, you know, the part that we will get to because I have a feeling it informs some of your other work that you're doing. But um, yeah, how how brilliant. And when you talk about the shame that comes with those really outer experiences, both with your schoolmates who are looking at your test and your teacher, um, you really take that on. And I know that you see people deep into adulthood still carrying those imprints from their childhood. And so unraveling that in your coaching, I am sure. All the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. People will say to me, okay, because I do, you know, people will say, are you a life coach? Are you an executive coach? Are you a leader? Like, what are you? And I will say to them, well, this is all life. Mm-hmm. It's all life. And so if we're a leader here, well, then that's part of our life. And if we're a mom over here, that's part of life. And we're if a community, if we are a community member, that's part of your life. And, um, it's all life, but where, where do you want to focus? And we'll always be a holistic conversation because it all matters. It all matters. Yeah. So do you, even in within it's life coaching and you've been trained in this business perspective and you can talk about the type of clients you see, but, um, do you feel like it begins in that inner emotional space that you go to? Um, Absolutely. First and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny. I'll, t- I'll tell him myself. Um, a couple months ago, I was actually fired for the first time mm-hmm. in whatever. I'm not going to say how many years, a lot of years. And what I got was misalignment in um, misalignment in the group, the team that I was starting to work with. Uh, they were not, they were not in the space with their business to actually do the deep dive that was needed in order to come out and operate as a, a fully formed, healthy, vibrant team. Right. Okay. And that's okay. That's okay. But for me, it includes that dive into the, the inner emotional part of Mm -hmm. the self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there has to be not only uh, that safety created, but it has to be a certain degree of safety someone's feeling from within to allow themselves to go there. And maybe is, is that part of maybe what is happening in that scenario? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it requires an enormous amount of vulnerability and um, courage mm-hmm. to do this work yeah. and trust and faith. Yeah. And not everyone's up for that. And that's okay. That is absolutely okay. 
I love that because you say that on your website and I had written it down in my notes that reaching one's full potential requires an enormous amount of courage. And I believe that to be true in each and everything we do. And I'll be transparent and I'll take us back to a coffee you and I had when Blue Max Coffee was still in existence here in town. And I was um, kind of not knowing what was next for me. And I remember you called me out on something and I was like, oh, you know, and it was something that you were hearing me say, and it was using my age as a reason for me not pursuing what was perhaps there for me. And um, you said, Maureen, I've heard you say several times that you're this old. And it was so interesting to me because I couldn't even hear myself saying it. I I didn't know. And it was sort of on repeat and repeat. And, and it was, I was getting stuck. I think that it's, it's probably like much deeper, but I was, I was getting stuck on here. I am. I've stayed home with the kids. I'm my late forties at that time. And I was limiting myself as to what was next for me by saying, I mean, essentially that I was too old and Mm -hmm. it was, that was probably one of the beginning conversations. I had another coach friend say to me, did you ever think about being a coach? And I thought, you're, you're a lunatic like me. Are you serious? Because I didn't, I didn't know yet. I didn't believe, but like, that was one of the smoke screens that I used to put up as to, but it was really probably because I was sort of afraid to go there and see what Mm -hmm. was there for me and what potential was there. And, um, You know, there's that one quote, I don't know who said it, but we're more afraid of our successes and potential essentially than we are of not reaching it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think absolutely. Yeah. And oh my gosh, can I just tell you how many powerful, powerful females I know, whether they're in corporate or stay at home moms or small business owners those we as women can carry around these narratives that then determine our path. And we, we don't have that person, that partner Mm -hmm. to reflect back to us. Like, Hey, where did that come from? That thing that you're saying, because what I notice is that's the thing that's keeping you from your possibility. Mm-hmm. at least what I'm seeing. And that's what I heard when you were speaking. Cause when I sit with you, when I'm with you, I see magnificence. I see vibrancy. I see so much possibility that so was so interesting to sit with you in that coffee shop and hear you talking about these things. And I'm thinking, no, <laughs> she's nuts. Yeah. We need to pull that out. Right. Right. Yeah. Throw that out. Mm -hmm. And then you're unleashed. Yes. And sometimes when you can say that, that one thing to somebody, it's like, it it can be the awakener, you know? Okay. So let's talk about other narratives that, that you see women have. I'm thinking of one that I used to carry as well that hindered me and I've heard it. And I'm surprised when I hear it from other women and it's that I'm not smart enough. And it's when we over-identify with one kind of smart, one kind of intellect. And um, I think I was so conditioned to believe that the school smarts were the only smarts, even though I grew up in a home that my dad was 
he was um, a lawyer. He had gone to Dayton and then he went to law school and he would always sort of say like, C's are fine. He would tell us that. And he, he was the oldest of nine, an Irish Catholic family. And he was an entrepreneur from day one, building bunk beds, selling flowers on campus for Mother's Day, like really ingenious things. So it was more about your people skills and kind of these kind of skills. So I knew it, but my conditioning was so strong around the academic piece, which I really wasn't always great at. And mm-hmm. so I held for a long time that I wasn't smart. And then mm-hmm. I think it's been in recent years. I'm like, wow, because, you know, I used to lead those social emotional like right. endeavors within the school. So here I am, because we often see the work that we're doing is the work we need to learn. Here I am saying emotional intelligence <laughs> is is the end all be all yet yes. still telling myself you're not enough. You're not smart enough. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a narrative. And I've heard other women say it. And when they say it, I'm like, I'm almost floored as if you're freaking kidding me. I, I, other people think yes. this. So yes. okay, th- that's a narrative. I'm too old. I'm not smart enough as another one. Um, I mean, just to add on to that, I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. I don't bring enough value. Um, I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on and on, but those are. Yeah. I thought, I thought of the, how could I possibly, um, do something for myself when I'm so needed by other people? Yes. Or, you know, the one I was having a call with, um, a female entrepreneur this morning and she said to me, this was our kickoff call. And she said, you know, Molly, um, I'm doing all these things. I'm running this business. I have these two young children. I have a husband. Um, I I want to do it all. I want to do it all. I want to do it all. I want to have it all. I want to have it all. And it's just, it's another belief. Like I want to have it all. I deserve to have it all. And we don't have enough of this conversation around, okay, well, what does, what does that actually mean? Yeah. What does that mean as a mother a wife, a community member, a, a business owner. What is what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, when you sit and have those conversations, is it the stripping away of, of a lot of like what's what is other people's and what's yours? Yes. And re- and redefine it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's about we're so going back to what you said by how we're conditioned. We're so conditioned and and we look around and we compare and we don't spend enough time saying, let me sit with myself. What, Mm -hmm. what's, what do I need? What is the best thing for my family? What is it that I'm committed to? Oh yeah. How do I feed myself? Mm -hmm. We're so busy reacting to all the other stuff around us. Mm Mm-hmm. And so to actually slow down and question and wonder and um, poke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, is that idea of even when I, I would say with myself, I'm not someone who identifies with the label of perfectionist. However, 
Um, there are parts in our lives that we think that we have to be getting right. And if we are a parent, that's, that's definitely one, you know, um, I've been reflecting lately because I studied conscious parenting and I love it because it was such a departure from the way I grew up. That was a more disciplinary model and, and it was in a spiritual and it's all these beautiful things. It's not meant to be perfect, you know, and sometimes when I look at my younger colleagues who have studied this and they've got little kids or there's a lot of emergence now, like there's that beautiful Dr. Becky, the good inside, like she's big on Instagram around parenting. But none of this, none of this was meant to look like this beautiful, you know, like up on a pedestal. It's it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't look perfect. And just going back to almost like how we started with shame is like, how do we come to ourselves in that imperfection and that allowance and that compassion for where we are? One of the books I I wanted to bring to you and recommend to listeners is and you've probably read it, but it's the book Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the bozos on the bus. And I have that section of the book, that quote, and I look at it every day to remind myself we are all bozos on the same bus. <laughs> yeah. And we we spend so much time thinking we want to be in that sleek, black, cool-looking bus because all the cool people are over there in that bus. And gosh, what what do I need to do to get over onto that bus? Because I'm over here with all the bozos on this bus. <laughs> I love. And that. yet, what we don't realize is that it's the same people over on that bus. Yeah, we are all working hard to do good things and to do things right and to be happy we're, and we don't know what we're doing. We, none of us know what we are doing as a parent, as a wife, as, you know, as a business owner, I'm creating it every day. I'm creating it every day. And so it's like an I've never, moment. <laughs> oh my God, I've never sent a kid off to start building his life at 18. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing. Absolutely. But I'm going to be over here. I'm going to bake the heck out of it. So everybody thinks I do. Well, and the bozos next to you have never done it either. Exactly. (laughs) And they're giving you advice. And by the way, they're posting on Instagram about it and they're posting on Facebook and everybody can give great advice, but you know what? Yeah. You're a bozo too. Right. Right. And so can we all, yes. Yes. Can we all just be clowns together? Right. And that's the beauty of the vulnerability. And I think how, you know, relating to the client conversation you had this morning is we just need places sometimes just to air some of it. And the title of that broke broken open. I don't think it's some people have a big broken open, right? Like a big event, but a lot of times it's just, I was even talking on another podcast interview about how, aren't we just like broken open all the time? Cause I was looking at mm. if I sit where I sit and I look back at the last two years of trying to form my business, I've been a crazy person at times, right? Just thinking like, Oh, it needs to be this. It needs to be this. It needs yes. to be this. And it's like, <laughs> slow, slow down Maureen and <laughs> begin again, begin again. Yes. And I don't yes. know if that's the, you know, necessarily Elizabeth Lasser's definition of it, but it's it's happening all the time where I find myself yes. needing to begin again. And it's the more you lean into it, the more beautiful that becomes. 
I listen, I, um, I love what you just said about being broken open all the time. It's so true. I mean, um, sending my, you know, firstborn off in August, there was a big part of me that was broken open and felt very vulnerable and scared and not knowing how to be or who to be, or, I mean, I, you know, you can easily go out and forecast and all sorts of things can occur. And it was kind of settling into, oh, this is, this is me being broken open again Mm -hmm. and really just being with it. And I know that sounds so woo woo, but for me, after all these years of being broken open in so many different ways through my children and through the experiencing of of being a parent and building a business, Mm -hmm. um, what I have come to is it goes back to, it goes back to being on the bus with all the bozos. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not alone in this. There are other people on this ride. Can we create a space and a place for us, all of us bozos that don't know what we're doing, going through this for the first time to be vulnerable, to be scared. Um, It's okay. Mm -hmm. We're okay. We're going to be okay. And it's, and it's normal to feel these things. Mm, I love if that, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And um, just uh, I can imagine in, in your work, that's what you bring. That's what I'm talking about. It's the realness. Um, no one wants, you know, this old, you know, just picture of the person all buttoned up in a suit kind of with the plan because there is no plan. Nope. We've got we've got a lot of good guideposts. We're going to get you there wherever that is. And it's, it's not the end, but it's there's no just perfect way it looks. And that's the beauty. Cause I was thinking before we got on today that you, you were like, because now coaching in many different forms is burgeoning and Mm -hmm. you were sort of on that forefront of, um, I feel like in many ways, like er earlier to the coaching game, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and also maybe a little, uh, early to the realness game. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring my real authentic self because even though I'm sure you're discovering that real authentic self through the years, you had a good enough idea back then to know that that authenticity was part of what you were. Yeah. I don't, you know what I'll I'll tell myself. I mean, (laughs) there were parts of me when I started out in this, a huge part of me that was like, there's a way to do this. There's a way to be about this. I should be writing articles. I should be, um, mm-hmm. you know, creating these retreats. I should be, I, you know, need to do, I should set up this website. Absolutely. It needs this call to act. All that stuff, which deep inside of me totally was not in alignment with who I am yeah. and what I stand for. Yeah. Like, so, but I did it. Okay. I created the website. I created the call to action, the newsletter, write the book. And, and, and paying attention, of course, the whole time, like, okay, this still doesn't feel in alignment, Mm -hmm. but I'm doing what is expected. And I'm seeing other people do, which is so like, what, right? Like stop the madness. How do you want to do it, Molly? And I finally, I would say probably within the last, let me just say seven, five to seven years have just woke up to that's exhausting. Uh-huh. what's my way and most of the time my way is just doing my work and 
removing all the other stuff that I think I should be doing or that other people are doing from my mental, from, mm-hmm. from inside of me. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And just keep showing up, doing good work for my clients. That's it. Just keep showing up yeah. and doing good work. For, that is it. I love it. And finding your way to connect and meet the people you're meant to uh, meet. And I love it because I actually think that kind of message is what's going to emerge more and more because Uh too much of what's going on is a rat race. It's exhausting. It leads to burnout. And it's not, I, it's, I sometimes hear these thought leaders saying all the things about following your authentic self and, and being in alignment and, And then they're doing all the things that, you know, the entities that own these things are saying that you should do. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, is, is that authentic to me? So it's a question that I really ask these days. I'm being told that this is what I need to do, but it goes against the teachings. And I have to believe that um, the teachings are accurate and they can be a guiding light. I like how you say, because so for anyone who, has their own business or uh, yeah, I'll just say that is that um, you get to kind of decide and that's what you, you begin to discern what's resonant with me. What, yes. what is feeding my soul here? Um, yeah. That's the coolest thing. I mean, that's my favorite part of the work. Maureen is human beings to me are, I just love them and I'm fascinated by them and I am passionate about them. And um what you said, like what I didn't get, I am so, I so love giving. And I think as that eight-year-old, I just wanted someone to see me. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone to acknowledge what I was going through. I just, I wanted someone to extend a hand and say, you know what? You're not alone. Other people are experiencing this. You're going to be okay. We got you. Yeah. I love it. I mean, and and that can be, you know, when they talk about mentors in schools, I remember our middle school a few years ago did a an outreach and they reached out to all, it was a five through eight middle school, uh, do you have a mentor in the building? And they found that Brilliant. most children did not feel safe going to any adult in that, but they could not pinpoint one. And so that became an intention and initiative wow. that the school undertook because that's so important. So it shows right there that that's still, there's so much, I think, with the education system that's uh, uh, clearly not caught up yet. Things are, some intentions Agreed. are being set, but, um, you know, I want to talk about your volunteer uh endeavors as well, but I know just wanted you to touch upon because I know manifestos are important to you. And can you just, um, we've all heard the word manifesto, you know, probably have an understanding of what it is, but how does that, um, kind of, what does that mean for you, your work, your life and how does it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I think it's another kind of cliche thing. Um, but for me, I found it to be very grounding in terms of what I stand for um, and what my purpose is on the planet. Now, I will tell you, I mean, we, especially women, are constantly reinventing. And I would say that if there's one thing that I would love, like, put on my gravestone, I would love it to say, like, damn, she was constantly reinventing. Yeah. Yeah. Because... I've worked hard at, and I continue to work hard at 
creating a healthy relationship with reinvention so that I can step into the next chapter, whatever that is, because, you know, our lives are constantly changing, like we we're talking about earlier before we got on this call, just about, you know, our parents aging, our kids leaving, all the hormonal stuff that's occurring, um, and how if we can actually build a muscle and strengthen our muscle around reinvention, how much more joyful it can be. Mm-hmm. Still processing all the other stuff that's coming with it, yeah. but still enjoying the ride and saying, okay, this is, re- yeah. oh, I'm reinventing again. You know, oh, I've Absolutely. been broken open. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like I get to say oh. what's next, yeah. that kind of thing. Though all of that is to say that for sure my manifesto is tweaked and it changes. And, um, but for me, it's helpful to just go back to that place that I can kind of hunker into root into and say, ah, yes, this is, this is, this is what I stand for. I'm rooted in this when stuff starts to feel out of control. Okay. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And the, um, mother of reinvention. I like, I like that a lot too. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about right before we got on hot flashes and menopause and <laughs> aging parents. And yeah. I know, and, and you have to reinvent, you have to find ways. I'm thinking just when you're talking about reinvention, I'm thinking about like how seriously we were supposed to uh, declare what we knew to be our lifelong job when we were 18 by studying it Ugh. and then be on that career. Like it took me years and years to give up my speech pathology degree because I thought, well, Maureen, this is an advanced degree. You had the certification, like three different ones. And, and I really, um, I really had a hard time letting go of what I learned, like that, that was me. And I hadn't even worked in it for years, but it had the stamp of approval on it. And how could I let it go? So I re, but I did totally gave myself totally, yeah. permission to reinvent, but you know, we were, I know so many people right now who are juggling one, if not two parents and elderly parents. And there's so many decisions. I remember when my dad had Parkinson's and there for a lot of elderly, there's just not a good in-between place. You know, it was like he was living independently in a senior place, but, and he wasn't ready for the assisted living, but so many hard decisions in there and painful day to day watching him decline. And that's a yes. lot on a um, person to be holding. And, and it it's really runs the continuum. But we were just talking about like, wow, this part of life can be really hard in that way. Yes, I've done definitely um, had a lot of work with my coach around this. Mm-hmm. And that is um, how to settle into this new place and space. I have my stepfather who I love so much. He has Parkinson's and we just in July moved him into uh, catered living. Mm -hmm. Um, He was not ready to do that. So that, that has been Mm -hmm. um, hard, hard on my mom because now she's living alone and um, she's also having her own health challenges. And then my father who's married um, has also been experiencing health challenges. Yeah. And it to me, it feels like all of, all of a sudden this just happened and blew up and, and I'm totally um, mm-hmm. caught off guard. As I was saying to you before we got on, like no one talked about this part 
Mm-hmm. No one talked or said this is. <laughs> and clearly it's been happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where yes. are the teachings? Yes. Where are the teachings around this? Yeah. Um, but also then the work I've been doing is again, again, around just surrender and who do, who do I want to be for these people as they enter their that next stage? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's work. Yes. And then that part of, you know, Molly needing maybe possibly more self-care, whatever that looks like for you, that's nourishing, maybe Maybe it's more friend time. Maybe it's less friend time. Yeah. Maybe it's right. And just kind of discerning and calibrating to your own inner needs about what do I need right now? Because those change too. That's honestly, um, that's one of the hard, most difficult things that's occurred for me over the last couple of years. I consider, I've always considered myself to be, you know, outgoing and gregarious. And what I have noticed about myself over the last couple of years is actually a a folding inward mm-hmm. where I much prefer quiet and um, much more intimate, soulful co- conversations with people. Yeah. And if not that, then nothing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, if not that I'm with my, my kids, my husband, et cetera, my family, um, my capacity for bullshit and small talk has gone from like this this right yeah and that's nothing to take away from you know being out and about and small talk and all that stuff um that's really fun too but i've just noticed my capacity has shrunk significantly yeah Yeah, i love that you know i um i feel the same way and feel sort of like a hermit sometimes and there'll be other people that were like maureen you used to be so social and um, they, and they weren't, they, you know, identified more as an introvert, like always needing that, um, you know, and it, it's, it's interesting. It's just, it, that was how we nourished ourselves then. Right. And, and maybe we don't know what's around the corner. Maybe that exactly be, right. you know, another part of our life in five years where that feels good again, but I do, it must be some sort of um, uh, almost like cocooning that we need to just really have the self um, nourishment. I just interviewed a woman. She was on today's uh, live podcast, Barbara, and she's specialist in abdominal massage, but menopause is one of the things that she specializes in. And she just said, you know, that so often women don't realize that they are moving into this really wisdom part of their life. And it's what we forget. And the physical symptoms of menopause can be so over, you know, overwhelming to us. Um, Yes. But she was reminding me, the audience, that it's a beautiful thing, like moving Mm -hmm. into your 50s, your 60s. Like that's we all we only used to have like these categories for it. Like you were either younger, middle or like elder. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. Let's just throw all that out. We're just on a continuum of life. But we know that our bodies are guiding us into this beautiful space. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which can sometimes be ugly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and sweaty. <laughs> yes. And disruptive. And moody. Right. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, so, you know, as we go towards the end of the interview, I... I wanted to have you, um, I know you do a lot of volunteerism. I think it's with girl up and I, uh-huh. I wanted to know more about that organization. And yeah. is that part of that thread, like that thread from your younger years and care for kids? 
Yeah. I mean, um, my love for Girl Up, and, and I have to be honest here, like over the last few years, I haven't been as involved. I was on very involved and um, on the board. And then I kind of just segued off and I participated in other ways. That love came out of um, the fact that my family lived overseas. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but mm-hmm. we lived in, we lived in Pakistan mm-hmm. um, when I was younger and the experience I had there in school, I mean, I was surrounded by kids that looked different than me, spoke differently than me, wore different kinds of clothing. Um, And so for me, that was a very transformative time. So coming back to the States and moving back to the suburbs where pretty much everything looks the same and we all work really hard to wear guest jeans and, you know, Mm -hmm. wear the same banana Republic sweater, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always been really fascinating to me that, that whole, how hard we work to, all be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Striking. Yes. And um, with Girl Up, what I saw in that opportunity was one, their commitment to girls in um, Asia and in specifically in Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, et cetera. Cause that's, I feel like I left part of my heart mm-hmm. there when we left, mm-hmm. uh, but how they empower girls all over the world to become leaders, no matter what that looks like in their school, in their community. And the the girls here in middle school and high school then also get to connect with the girls in different parts, in different countries. Uh, they teach each other things, of course, Very, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really, really neat. And um, for me, it's been so eye-opening in terms of just learning, continuing to learn different cultures, different ways that young people are learning these days, social media. I mean, it's the power of social media now and the good that it can, the good that it can do. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. These girls are showing the good that social media can do. Um, And so when girl up is, is a huge part of my heart. And then of course, Sarah's in is Mm. locally my very, very close to my heart. And I do, as much work as I can over there with their organization. So, so good. Thanks for sharing. And I think that it, you know, um, for anyone who's local or even for girl up, like I'm thinking of my 20 year old yep. daughter who wanted to study abroad. Um, she's studying abroad in college, but she wanted to go to, I think it, to Dominican Republic and COVID interfered with that, but she has a friend who went to Africa and she has that wanderlust to go see, I think different cultures. And we don't, we so rarely get the opportunity to glimpse yeah. into the lives of people, actual people we can read in the news or, well, who reads right. or see it on the news, but to have that one-on-one. And I agree. I think that I, I was just reflecting, you know, a lot of times social media can be like, oh, the disdain of it all. But I think that it's got wonderful connecting powers and you know, I have a young woman in India that we speak as regularly as we can. Mm-hmm. And we were connected originally through Dr. Shafali's conscious parenting. And she used to have a something called hashtag help. And someone could say, like, I want to meet with a coach. And I don't think it happens anymore. But that's how I met this young woman who is um, very dear that. to me from across the world. And I would not have that glimpse into her family room and into her life 
that is so, so different than mine. And I'm so grateful for it. So it sounds like beautiful work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would love more of that for our young people and our mm-hmm. everyone actually, but especially for our young people, just um, more of our schools, uh, just more of our yeah. expectations and educating our children, more of that global. The worldly. I think yes. so too. Yes. 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 I remember when we were kids, we had pen pals. It was yes. the beginning of that. And we always got that's exactly, that's right. <laughs> you know, you'd get your letters and you'd be so excited. And um, I remember my brother got one and his pen pal asked for a camera. And we were like, oh my God, you know, because back then it's not like we were buying stuff every day. Exactly. But it was, it's just good memories. It's really good memories. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, before we finish our interview today, Molly, is there anything else, any messages for the audience or that comes to mind, or you might feel like, oh no, it's been great conversation so far, but sometimes there's an ad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, first I'm, I love talking about these things because I don't often get to talk about these things with, with people like you. Though it just, it, I could talk to you probably for three, four, five more hours about this Absolutely. stuff. Yes. Um, so thanks for creating this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess what I would just say for listeners is be your own bozo. <laughs> Perfect. And, and own your bozoness. Yeah. And don't feel as if you have to be anything other than yourself and do the work do the work. Don't be afraid to do the work, to do the deep yeah. dive, to really discover who that person is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we're all, we're all bozos. Yeah. Such a perfect invitation. Uh, just to look <laughs> is it? Is it? Well, and to look within and, <laughs> and just yeah. be real. It's just real. And it makes you laugh, you know, but seriously, it's, um, yeah. and more than ever, it's there for us to um, how you said like, like the, unfolding or the, you know, it's just like, it's there for us just to be so gentle with and be curious. And, um, yeah. So I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this beginning conversation. You're right. We could just talk forever. Please. Yes. I find people would be like Maureen two hour podcast. Really? Um, Yes, exactly. (laughs) But yeah. So, um, where can listeners find you, Molly? Yeah. Um, mollyrudberg.com. M-O-L-L-Y-R-U-D-B-E-R-G.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah. Email Molly at MollyRudberg.com. I could do like LinkedIn and Instagram yeah. and all that stuff, but yeah. my I'll life is about simplifying. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So like people can I can find me. I can have permission. I don't really build out my LinkedIn. That's fine, right? No, I uh, please. Yes, that's <laughs> please. Yes, yes. I mean, only if it um, makes your heart sing. I would exactly. say exactly. Yeah, so far it hasn't, but you know. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we have to do those things, right? Yes, I mean, sometimes totally. you need to go and right. build out the LinkedIn. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just. But just own it. As much as we can. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Thanks, Molly. And thank you to the listeners, as always, for being here with us today. Um, You know, if you are inspired by this episode, reach out to Molly, uh, check out her work. It's beautiful. And share with a friend or leave a review. We always like hearing from you. So thanks. And we'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please visit Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a review and share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs or join the Mystical Sisterhood membership, visit MaureenSpielman.com or MysticalSisterhood.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode.